Welcome to the Sadler Lectures podcast. Responding to popular demand, I'm converting my philosophy videos into sound files you can listen to anywhere you can take an MP3. If you like what you hear and want to support my work, go to patreon.com sadler. I hope you enjoy this lecture. Chapter 7 of Aristotle's Categories is devoted to quite a lot of discussion of one very important category, which we translate as relation. In the Greek, it's pros t, and pros is a pronoun, and t, of course, is sort of an indeterminate thing, in relation to whatever. So I am, you know, looking at this book, I am, the looking is in relation to this book. Or if I am in the position of um, lecturer right now, and you're in the position of audience, audience and, and lecturer are what we call correlative terms. So if you say the audience, you can say, well, the audience of what, right? The audience of a show, the audience of a podcast, the audience of a video, the audience of some guy getting up on the proverbial soapbox in the middle of town and ranting and raving. Each one of those is a term that would be in relation to the audience, and the audience would also be in relation to that term. Those are what we call correlatives, and we'll talk about that in just a moment. First, we want to think about, well, what does it mean to actually talk about something as being a relative, and we can talk in terms of relative relative terms, that is, linguistic units that are signifying something relative, or we can think of something being relative, it's, its very being, what it is for it to be what it is, being relative. And Aristotle characterizes this early on, and really consistently throughout this entire chapter, in two complementary ways. So the one is talking about being of another. And so it's what we call the genitive case. We don't really have this in English. The closest thing that we would say is the possessive case. And we use that by, we signify that with the, the apostrophe S, so-and-so's father, right? That would be along those sort of lines. But to be of another, to be from another, to derive from another, the team's mascot, right? The mascot is the mascot of a team. And presumably sometime way back in the team's antiquity, somebody decided that it would be the bulldogs rather than the bullets rather than the bombers, right? So that's one way of thinking about this of relation that we talk about in terms of the genitive case in, in Greek. Heteru enai, to be of another, to be from another, to be in relation to another. Then we have something we could call, more strictly speaking, being in relation to another, pros heteron. Heteron is, is just, you know, something else, right, or, or another, and we have that pros there. So Aristotle is saying it's not always going to be signified in exactly the same way. We have to do a little bit of mental analysis from time to time in order to pick out relative terms. And it's important to be able to recognize relative terms and not to mix them up with other things, other categories like that of substance or that of quantity or that of quality, because when we do that, we wind up in all sorts of metaphysical and, and logical predicaments and confusions. So it's important to get this down. Now, I want to bring up a few points that will be discussed at greater length in some other videos. Aristotle talks about all relatives by their very nature having co-relatives, that is, things that are in relation to them. 
This is unavoidable because you can't really have a relative term without having a correlative. And we'll, when we look at some of the relative terms, we'll see why this is the case. Not all relative terms have contraries. Some of them do. Aristotle uses an example here that's probably going to be a bit confusing, namely that of virtue and vice, in part because virtue and vice are also going to get talked about in the category of quality. Here he's thinking about them in terms of habit as habit. We'll get to that in a moment. Some admit of degrees. So if we use, you know, for example, greater or same or similar, you can say that two things are more similar to each other than than they are to something else or that they're less similar. So for example, I go back to my frequent use of chalk. These three pieces of chalk are more similar to each other than this piece of chalk. Why? Because these pieces of chalk are actually longer and this one's been used quite a bit for writing. So it's a little bit shorter and it also has some rounded edges too. Now that said, these two pieces of chalk are more similar to each other than this shorter piece of chalk is. That one would actually be more similar to this piece of chalk here. You, you get the idea. We can speak in terms of degrees of a more and less. We can do this with other things as well, but this doesn't work for every single relative term. Neither does contraries work for every single relative term, but all of them will indeed have correlatives. So now let's look at some of the examples that Aristotle is going to use. So double, right? Why is double a relative term? Well, double of what? You could say, you know, that this is a double piece of chalk. That's a weird way of talking about it. It's probably stricter, you know, or more rigorous to say there are two pieces of chalk here. Perhaps they actually came from a single piece that I broke. And I can say, well, I doubled it. I doubled the amount of chalk pieces, but I didn't actually double the amount of chalk. And, you know, so we see that this is a term that requires us to relate it to something else. Double of what? This tie, if I fold it double now, there's twice as many fabric pieces, right? We could go on and on and on with examples of that, you know, any sort of number term along those lines. Now notice that that term is not quantity, where you might expect to see it for Aristotle, but rather in relation. Why? Because Aristotle is picking out the feature of that, which is that it exists in relation to something else, greater, greater or lesser. These terms that we use to signify, again, things that look like quantity, but are really more a matter of requiring a reference to something else are a matter of, they fall into the category of relation. So greater, right? Greater than what? This is where, interestingly, we see we run into problems. If we talk about bigger and smaller, right? A hill is bigger than a human being, but much smaller than a continent, right? You can only specify these terms by bringing up something else. Same or similar or anything else along those lines, like dissimilar, unlike, like. Those require a reference to what the thing is actually like. It, you know, a great example of this, if we get away from visual 
examples. Think about describing tastes, notoriously difficult to do, quite subjective. And as we're finding out, some of it's kind of made up on, on the fly, right? You swig some wine and you say, oh, I taste oak and leather and, you know, the cologne that my friend's parent used to wear back in 1986. So that's getting very subjective, right? But you get the idea. If you're saying that it's like those sorts of things, then you have to specify. You can't just say, well, it's like, and then just leave dot, dot, dot after that. Cause it's not like anything then, right? If you think about other flavor profiles, like when you, great example, when I was a kid, we had a bubble gum explosion. At first there was just bubble gum and it was bubble gum flavored. <laughs> I don't even know what bubble gum flavor really is. Just kind of sugary. And I'm sure there's some fruit flavor that that's in there, mixed in there somewhere. And then suddenly bubble yum and hubba bubba came out and they had grape flavor and orange flavor and some things that weren't quite so good, like chocolate flavor and, and on and on and on and on and on, right? So when you're saying those flavor things, you're saying it tastes like this. If it's watermelon flavored gum, it is gum that has the same taste as dot, 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 watermelon, right? And oftentimes... It's interesting because there can be kind of a reversal where people who are so used to artificial flavors get used to the artificial flavors and they use that as the primary point of reference in the relation. And they say they taste a watermelon. They're like, this doesn't taste the way a watermelon should. And you're like, buddy, that's the watermelon right there. The gum you've been chewing or the you know Slurpees or whatever you're used to are not the actual thing that this is related to derived from. Similarly with orange or root beer or any anything along those lines. So those are all fairly straightforward. Then he brings up an example that he uses quite a lot. And there's a lot to be said about Aristotle and slavery. We don't need to go into that right now, but he's going to use that as an example of a term. You don't get a slave without also having a master. And if the word slave is throwing you, think servant and employer or something along those lines, right? Parent is not a term that he uses, but he uses this in other places. Great example. You cannot be a parent without there being some sort of child whom you are in relation to right? You see people posting these things to be clever or cute when they're giving their profile. I am the parent of this person, right? So they define themselves as, you know, Susie or Tommy's father or so-and-so's husband or so-and-so's wife or mother or grandmother or whatever, right? Those are relational terms. All of those are in relation to each other. So those provide us with some great examples. Now, Aristotle brings up another set of relational terms that are a little bit trickier for us to wrap our heads around. Habit and disposition, which he's actually going to discuss under the category of quality, the toposone, which is in the next chapter. Here he's discussing it, but he's not discussing it in terms just of habit, which is hexase or disposition diathesis per se. He's thinking about it, about that of relation, the habit of, right? So if I have a virtue like the habit of generosity, eleutheria in, in Greek, also translated as liberality or freedom, then I have a habit and the habit is specified in relation to certain things. Habit is a habit of behaving and feeling certain ways. Knowledge, right? Knowledge is of something. So if, if I know Aristotle, meaning I understand Aristotle's texts and, and what's being talked about in them, I don't just have knowledge per se, I have knowledge of 
of this thing. If I know how to unclog a drain, very rudimentary level plumbing, that is knowledge not of Aristotle's text, but of unclogging drains or perhaps of pipes, if we want to say it that way. Perception, similarly. You're seeing this green book. Hopefully you're not red, green, colorblind, in which case I don't know what color you're seeing there, but it's not what I'm seeing. Both of us are seeing this book, perception of the object, the color, the thing that is being experienced. If I taste the book, doesn't taste like anything really. No real flavor profile there. Chalk, you know, I remember tasting that as a kid. Not a good thing to taste. Definitely chalky, right? Perception of something. Position. Here the term that he's using is thesis, meaning where something is being set or the act of setting something. And there is a category of position or condition or however we want to translate it. In that case, it's not exactly the same term. It's case thigh, which is from that same word. That's the sort of passive verbal form of the verb for putting things in place. There's a little bit of strangeness about the Greek language in this that we don't really need to worry about here. But I, he does want to say, look, standing, sitting, all those sorts of things, those are being positioned in a certain way. But position itself is in, in a certain respect, a, a matter of relation, setting this here, right? So those are all examples and you see just how much scope this category of relation has. The last thing that I need to mention is that no substances or parts of substances are relations or relative terms according to Aristotle. This is a very important point. The relationship between you know, say teacher and student where you can't have a teacher without a student or you can't have a student without a teacher is not the same thing as the relationship between hand or head to use the examples that Aristotle brings up and the substance human being. Aristotle gives you some explanation of this. Basically what it comes down to, what we'll say at this point is that the thing is a substance and it's not being defined as hand just in relation to me. It doesn't exist as as a hand only in relation to me. Now, of course, if you cut off the hand, it's no longer acting as a hand, as an organ of this body. It'll die, it'll turn into this stuff, but it still remains hand in, if we ask about, well, what is this thing? What is it for it to be what it is? Hand is essential to it or part of its substance. Now the hand, of course, can be in relation to other things. I can put my hand into my pocket. That's really more of a matter of position though, or actually even like, you know, more similar to is arm armed is shod than it is relation. The hand, of course, can be involved in perception, in which case we're not considering it so much as hand, but considering it as the organ of touch. So all of these are things to keep in mind as we look at the category of relation in chapter seven. Special thanks to all of my Patreon supporters for making this podcast possible. You can find me on Twitter at Philosopher70, on YouTube at the Gregory B. Sadler channel, and on Facebook on the Gregory B. Sadler page. Once again, to support my work, go to patreon.com Sadler. Above all, keep studying these great philosophical works.